America, my name is Armio Sefirmpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And let me be clear, it's not obvious that boomers were failures at everything. And in their defense, their parents were drunk. It's just amusing to me that as I, you know, grow older and raise families and have responsibilities myself, how just awful, not just, you know, possibly my parents, but also just like the culture was around these issues. And you know, there's a historical story to be told about that. So I'm going to tell you how kind of boomer liberalism failed everything and kind of birthed this moment because the only competent people left were, were those raised by conservatives, which is unfortunate because that then embeds all sorts of dubious qualities of, of racial commitment um, into our American culture and, and politics, right? So the boomers pride themselves on being, you know, they were culturally with it. They, you know, were in the civil rights movement um, insofar as they were, and they kind of improved upon their parents who, you know, were a little damaged by all the world wars and gave us this great economy and culture and all of that stuff um, by liberalizing all of our institutions, except once they become of age, they really did liberalize all of our institutions. They liberalized unions, which means you couldn't actually have unions, which um, require actual relationships with each other and sustained relationships and solidarity and sacrificing kind of a group responsibility, which liberalism kind of kills like bleach. And they liberalized marriages, which led to, you know, Reagan started no-fault divorce in California, but then it once became metastasized culturally in the 70s and 80s, it kind of screwed up people's idea of marriage. They pretty much took a flamethrower to all of our institutions. Um, and that's good for a lot because American institutions weren't a lot of, they were racist, right? So taking a flamethrower to, to our institutions isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they replaced them with nothing. They liberalized Christianity. Now, before you had the Klan church. Great. You liberalize Christianity, Christianity and you take out everything, <laughs> right? They liberalize it so that it's like a feeling. They liberalize it so much you can't even like read the Bible, right? So granted, the old church was Klan, but then they liberalized the church to nothing. And that was, uh, they took all of these forms of meaning make, institutional meaning making and replaced them with nothing. And I didn't even realize I was raised by, and when I say raised, you know, my mom worked in a neoliberal economy, you know, Reagan and Clinton and all that, which means she worked a lot, which means I, I didn't see her for quite a time. There were times she worked three to 11 for a lot of shifts. So I went through a stretch where, depending on who you talk to, I was raised by television. Or, um, and then, you know, liberalism also, and my mom uh, admitted this a few years ago, um, she, she didn't understand the way my dad, you know, who's like a no kind of BS African guy was disciplining us and like kind of like understood the stakes of the family. And so in, you know, the 80s, she divorced him because that's what people did in the 80s. If you didn't understand your spouse, you just kind of divorced them or if, or if uh, I'm, you know, and so the, the detritus from that is, and you know, she, everyone said, oh, it doesn't affect the kids, not that big of a deal. And then it turns out that, it, yeah. Um, I don't know, I, I, I suspect, I'm gonna um, put, I got this clip from Kanye up, so I'm gonna, Kanye and I are the same age. So when he said this, I was like, you know what? He might be onto something. My doesn't listen to rap music and he's like super educated. We, we opened up a water distribution 
Center in the Dominican Republic together. He's like the original Steve Jobs, but he was getting blocked every which way with all of his ideas. And he didn't have uh, an endless bank account and he didn't have an Instagram. So all these ideas, he had to like take them back and compress them. Like my dad is the most brilliant person that I know. And we actually have a strained relationship because I was taken from him because my mom was an actress, so she was a liberal. And my dad would see certain things and say, you know, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. And the people got around my mom and pulled her away, much like, you know, Kim is a Christian, but she has people who want her to go to Interview Magazine and put her ass out while she's a 40-something-year-old multi-billionaire with four black children. And this is what, how fashion wants to um, how they want to present her. My dad doesn't listen to rap music. So there's a way in which, you know, if Kanye's mom doesn't divorce Kanye's dad, does he become a college dropout? <laughs> what happens? I don't know. It's not, it's not. So we have to actually take these seriously. So we get less music and, and less interesting shoes, but maybe Kanye becomes a happier guy who gets to actually see his kids. Um, even if he's not wealthy, right? So... We have to understand that boomer liberalism just kind of ran through all of these cultural institutions from labor and pretty much all relationships, labor institute, uh, labor unions, churches, and um, families in a way that took away all of the meaning from those institutions. And the only people who survived that in my age cohort were raised by like awful conservatives who like who had traditions that were robust enough to, to, to either handle and repel the liberalism. So it just like ended up um, uh, uh, reproducing all of the awfulness. And then that's how you get Trump and all of that. But, um, but if, the, if the alternative to that is just vacuousness, that's ridiculous. So for example, um, you know, I, I went to high school with a lot of Mormons and I'm sure they ended up fine um, and like, you know, slightly racist because that's just built into the Mormon religion. Um, but, you know, it's, you have traditions that take lineage seriously. So they actually take parenting and institutions seriously. And then you have traditions that said, um, you know, all of this is nature and it happens naturally and you just kind of let kids do what they want to do. And, and then it, they don't take parenting seriously. And it turns out you have an entire generation that's pretty much useless. And, you know, I think about this in a lot. Because the Gen X, of which I'm a very young uh, Gen X, and then also the elder millennials, those raised by baby boomers. And I say raised by baby boomers because I just consider baby boomers anyone whose grandparents fought in World War II. Your grandparents fought in World War II, you came back, you had babies. <laughs> so if your parents are born from like early 40s to, I think, I would cut it off at like 55. If your parents are born from, uh, I, I consider that 55, maybe up to 58, um, you're a boomer. You know, other people will uh, make different designations. But if your grandparents fought in World War II, they came back, popped out kids. So World War II ended in 45. So from 44, 43 on, and that's, that's the cultural, pretty much Clinton age, Clinton's age, born in 47, all that. Um, those, are, those are your boomers. And, you know, 
You can say, well, they did great work for civil rights. Oh, they just liberalized every institution. And the only, and the only institute, and the only winners over the last, you know, 70 years were the feminists, which is great because, which I think, I think it survived because for feminism, you don't actually have to sustain a relationship. You just have to be a woman, right? Like even racial uplift can like requires institutional formations, requires families, churches, um, an economy that worked for you. Like it requires institutions. To be a feminist, all, you don't have to actually have any institutional fidelity, which is why feminists don't go after other women, right? Like all these white women vote against abortion and are like the most anti-abortion demographic in the South, but feminists won't go after the white women because they're women. Whereas like, <laughs> there is no, you don't have to, you don't have to work in police relationships. And, and so that's, you know, liberalism loves that because they don't want to make people work when they don't want to. And so feminism survives that where everyone else actually actually build with other people and sustain relationships and institutional formations. Liberalism just like kills all of that. There are other reasons why feminism is the kind of the ideology that lived when unions, families, and churches um, had to take an L for the last 40 years. But one of it is that you actually don't need to sustain relationships and police relationships in order to, you know, be morally valid as a feminist, right? All you need to do is just be a woman who feels oppressed. And that's a conversation for another, for another stream. So I, by the way, I do also owe you a show on the problem, like an actual deep dive into the problems of single parenthood. That's not going to be this one. I just wanted to say that like, People talk about neoliberalism as an extension of market values to all aspects of life. So you have marriage markets and school markets and everyone just kind of, kind of considers themselves on the market. But people don't think about that as like invalidating all other institutional forms. So you don't have actually have families anymore. You have business contracts where, um, you know, and then you wake up and you want to return your, your spouse for a, a, a richer or younger model that just becomes legitimate, right? And we don't actually think of that as how that destroys what it is to be a family because one of the characteristic features of the, the peculiar kind of freedom that goes along with families is that you can't just walk away. You actually have to work it out. That's pretty much all you're pledging to do. You're pledging to work it out, right? So... And you have to marry someone for whom you can pledge to work it out. But that's not just, not just a killed labor union. It's not just a killed families. It also killed churches who now can't actually talk about spirituality in any way because liberalism is all about immediate feelings. Real quickly, the march of civilization has been a march against immediacy. Like, immediacy is always the problem. And if you have kids, you know this. Like, all you're teaching them, if you're doing your job, hey, come, come say hi to the people. Come say hi to the people. All you're teaching them is to, um, to have a war against immediacy. Say hi, people. Hi. Are you gonna go, we're going to go swimming later? How was school? Good. Good. All right. Let me finish this show, and then um, uh, I'll go. Oh, by the way, tell the people what the sign of maturity is. What's the biggest sign of maturity? Say it right in the microphone. You don't want to say it? All right, so how about you say it even if you don't want to say it? This is where you force yourself to do something you don't want to do. What's the biggest sign of maturity? 
Very good. But say it again in the microphone. How you handle frustration. Say it loud and proud to the people. The biggest sign of maturity is... <laughs> she said, how you handle frustration. That's the whole game, right? So if you're not teaching your children how to handle frustration, how to not deal, how to work through their immediate fears and immediate concerns, you're not actually teaching them to be adults. But liberalism will say that your immediate feeling is valid. Go with your gut. That's garbage. Your gut may be wholly untrained. And so, like, we... Um, we... We, uh, we have to, like, uh, the march of civilization is the march of going against your gut. The march of civilization is, like, how we learn how to fast through spirituality. How you learn how to work with, like, other workers and colleagues against the boss through unions. How you learn how to work against your immediate um, blessings um, with your spouse. Or, you know, the Lord puts patience <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for giving me a family that will teach me patience. Um, uh, and, and, and so how you handle frustration is going to be the sign of emotional maturity. How you do, and liberalism gets away from that by saying your immediate feelings are valid. You should do what you want to do. What you want to do immediately is a suggestion. But I don't eat what I want to eat immediately. I eat what I should eat. I have to reflect. I have to like fight immediacy. I can't be one of those dogs in the wild that eat um, themselves to death if they were given the opportunity, right? That's what a lot of growing up is. And so, um, we need to sustain institutions that keep that war against immediacy like as like the central focal point of kind of self-determination because you're not self-determining if you're doing whatever you want to when you want to that's the thing with alcoholics they're not self-determining that they don't they don't determine themselves their immediate need for alcohol determines what they do right so self-determination allows like a reflective capacity where you're not actually the um kind of the pawn of immediacy but liberalism courts immediacy <laughs> and like kind of takes a flamethrower to all of the institutions of self-determination and all of the institutions that like we've erected against the sway of immediacy, right? So the problem with traditional institutions is that you're imbibing traditions that were based off of, of, of like all sorts of like awful racism or parochialism or like dubious gender attitudes that didn't meet a world that was as advanced as this one. Right, where we've kind of tamed the immediacy of nature. So we don't need to, you know, keep people in their place. And we've kind of, uh, we've tamed both each other. We've, we've tamed and domesticated nature and we've domesticated each other so that we can actually, we don't need the same sort of oppressive institutional forms. So you needed to get rid of traditional forms, but you needed to replace them with forms adequate to self-determination, right? So you don't get rid if you have a problem with traditional gender relationships in the family, you don't get rid of families <laughs> because that gets rid of the quality of freedom where um, that comes with someone else being committed to you. You say that everyone's in it 100%, so we have to co-determine what this unit looks like and not just let it be determined by any sort of natural differences.
if we want to acknowledge the natural differences, that's something that we can work out with ourselves. And I'll tell you right now, someone was telling, you know, I, was, I did a video on red pilling and the goods and the bads of red pilling. And someone just mentioned that, uh, you know, they want a traditional wife to, and, you know, a white woman said this, that she wants a traditional, she thinks she should be a traditional wife who cooks and cleans. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to, like, cooking and cleaning, that's like the easiest part. Not the easiest, that's the most irrelevant part of actually raising children, like being a, a family with children. Everything's about the cultural development of the children. I need someone who could strategize with me about the cultural development of my children to teach them how to be in a world that's, you know, slightly competitive and um, yeah, hostile, right? Cooking, cleaning, we can figure that out. <laughs> I got like, that's, that's the least hardest part. I need you to be an adult. So this idea, and I think the whites want someone who, who just cooks and cleans and doesn't say anything. I need someone who can co-determine how to like enculturate, you know, my, our kids. Right. So that's, that was, that's, that's what, that's what wife material means. Can we figure out how to raise these kids in a hostile world? Right. And I need, so like these dumb women who kick and clean and think that that's their being a wife and you know, the family and they get very popular because like in, the whites have institutions that work for them. So they don't actually have to be good parents in a lot of ways. They can just kind of follow the script. That's, that was never my aspiration. I needed someone who's going to problem solve with me and raising the kids and also someone who uh, wouldn't leave if I got broke because that happens, especially to Negroes. By the way, if you want to keep me from getting broke, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or $50 a month and I will... I will, um, my feed is a little bit weird. I will, uh, be able to keep up the show. So, you know, if you appreciate the quality of wisdom I drop every Thursday, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com. So I just explained to you why elder millennials and Gen Z are just kind of politically worthless. They're a smaller cohort, but in general, they don't have it because they weren't raised correctly. <laughs> they weren't, and when I say raised, that might even be in like, we were latchkey kids. We were raised by television. So, you know, one of the reasons I do this video is because of all the stuff that nobody ever told me and I'm telling you to kind of clarify and save you a, a decade or two. Um, you need to actually guide your kids in kind of a meaningful way and don't let the liberals tell you that you don't or that the kids know what they want to do. I mean, you could roll the dice like that. I mean, and if you're white, it might work out. But if you roll the dice like that, especially if you're black, black people, like that is not, that's just not how you win. That's just not how you take, it needs too much guidance. This world takes, requires too much guidance, too much support, and too, like for one person to navigate on their own. It's too complicated. We've remade the natural world into something that, that takes a guide. You need a Sherpa. And like my job as a dad is to Sherpa my kids for as long until like I stroke out and die of a heart attack. And, um, and if you're not willing to do that, or you think, well, I just need to make money and I don't need to be there and I'll just supply them with money. No, because, you know, I was just thinking about one of the reasons why I'm not, stepfathers can't actually be fathers is nobody's going to be as hard on my kids 
on like if I were a stepdad, I would not be as hard on. I could love them in a way, but I wouldn't be as hard on them as I am in my kids. It would be abusive. <laughs> Pretty hard on my kids, um, but my kids are awesome. So there's that. All right. And 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 if you can't be hard on the kids, that means you can't show them a quality of love that that is required to. I don't know, help them flourish. So, um, boomers screwed up all institutional forms, churches, families, the economy, with labor unions, liberalized divorces, and liberalized spirituality, such that it made it all meaningless. And the only person, the only people who survived were people from robust traditions um, who take, you know, lineage seriously and could kind of fight against liberalism. And the problem is a lot of them ended up being racist. And it turns out that the only people now on the Supreme Court are Catholics and Jews. All right. So, and I don't think it's, a, you know, I, uh, you know, and yeah, and uh, Brown, who, you know, I think it's funny that she came from actually an intact family. Not a lot of, you know, single parents don't uh, don't make it to the Supreme Court. And honestly, if uh, the people raised by single parents don't make it to the Supreme Court, and if they did, they'd probably like be super conservative. And you could say like, what about Obama? Obama was raised by a lot of white money and like, he was raised as a white kid in Hawaii by white grandparents. All right, so thank you for your time. And I will talk to you next week. And I will do that single parent uh, episode, maybe next week.